which is like lightly cooked calves' liver. It may be that a tune will lodge in my head like a tick and bring the words tripping in with it, so I am forced to live my life by its accompaniment. It's a familiar complaint to have a tune you can't get out of your head, but for most people the tunes aren't the prelude to a day of hearty vomiting. Besides, people say they pick them up from the radio, but mine are songs people don't really sing these days. Bill Bailey, won't you please come home? Some talk of Alexander and some of Hercules. My aged father did me deny, and the name he gave me was the Croppy Boy. Today, the day I see the ghost, the problem's just that my words don't come out right, so I have to be careful at Mr Ewing's. But he understands me without any trouble, and yes, he remembers selling us the cottage seven years ago. Is it really so long? They were years in which perhaps half a million words were drafted and redrafted. Seven and a half thousand meals were consumed. Ten thousand painkillers, at a conservative estimate, were downed by me. And God knows how many by the people I'd given a pain. Years in which I got fatter and fatter. Wider still and wider shall my bounds be set. And during seven years of nights, dreams were dreamt, then erased or reformatted. They were years during which, on the eve of the publication of my seventh novel, my stepfather died. All my memories of him are bound up with houses, dreams of houses, real or dream houses with empty rooms waiting for occupation, with other people's stories and other people's claims, with fright and my adult denial that I was frightened. But affection takes strange forms after all, I can hardly bear to sell the cottage and leave him behind on the stairs. Late in the afternoon, a migrainous sleep steals up on me. It plants on my forehead a clammy ogre's kiss. Don't worry, I say, as the ogre sucks me into sleep. If the phone wakes, it will ring us. I knew the migraine was coming yesterday when I stood in a Norfolk fishmonger choosing a treat for the cats. No, I said, Cod's too expensive just now to feed to fish, even fish like ours. I hardly know how to write about myself. Any style you pick seems to unpick itself before a paragraph is done. I'll just go for it, I think to myself. I'll hold out my hands and say, C'est moi, get used to it. I'll trust the reader. This is what I recommend to people who ask me how to get published. Trust your reader. Stop spoon-feeding your reader. Stop patronising your reader. Give your reader credit for being as smart as you, at least. And stop being so bloody beguiling. You in the back row, will you turn off that charm? Plain words on plain paper. Remember what Orwell says, that good prose is like a window pane. Concentrate on sharpening your memory and peeling your sensibility. Cut every page you write by at least one-third. Stop constructing those piffling little similes of yours. Work out what it is you want to say. Then say it in the most direct and vigorous way you can. Eat meat. Drink blood. Give up your social life and don't think you can have friends. Rise in the quiet hours of the night and prick your fingertips and use the blood for ink. That will cure you of persiflage. But do I take my own advice? Not a bit. Persiflage is my nom de guerre. Don't use foreign expressions, it's elitist. 
I stray away from the beaten path of plain words into the meadows of extravagant simile. Angels, ogres, donut-shaped holes. And as for transparency, window panes undressed are a sign of poverty, aren't they? How about some nice net curtains so I can look out but you can't see in? How about shutters or a chaste Roman blind? Besides, windowpane prose is no guarantee of truthfulness. Some deceptive sights are seen through glass, and the best liars tell lies in plain words. So now I come to write a memoir, I argue with myself over every word. Is my writing clear, or is it deceptively clear? I tell myself, just say how you came to sell a house with a ghost in it. But this story can be told only once, and I need to get it right. Why does the act of writing generate so much anxiety? Margaret Atwood says...